0: Hello, everybody! Welcome back to the Judas Goat Coffee House. I'm Callie Hurley and welcome to the fourth episode. Today we are interviewing Rose and Gracia about her pieces in the book and Sharon Carr about her huge role when it comes to the Judas Goat. She works here at Wayne State College as a professor in editing and publishing, but also is a member of the Wayne State College Press. I'm excited for you guys to hear about both Rose and Sharon. If you missed the first couple of episodes of the Judas Goat Coffee House, the Judas Goat Magazine is a literary magazine that publishes all types of writing, and this podcast features some of those featured writers. The Wayne State College Lit Club started publishing the Judas Goat in 1967 in the spring. Go to wfcpress.com for more submission information. Make sure to go catch up on the first few episodes on anchor.fm slash Judas goat coffee house. Also, keep up to date with what's going on with the podcast over on Instagram and follow Judas Goat Coffee House. I am here with Rose and Gracia today. How are you doing today, Rose? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Today, she will be reading her piece, 46 Years on the Potomac, and she would also be telling us a little bit about her art piece in the book, Blue Sea Thinking. So, Rose, how would you describe where you're at in life right now?
1: So, I'm a junior right now at Wayne State. I'm a graphic design major and a business minor. Um, I'm pretty far along in my major. I actually started off as a mass communication major um, because I loved writing so much, but Um, So you found out that I like really wanted to um, lean into the art side of things. And so I took a class um, in the graphic design program and just like fell in love like I thought I would. What did you want to be when you grew up, like as a child? As a kid, I always said one of three things. The first one was artist. The second thing was an author. And then the third thing, um, I was really interested in teaching and I've always like enjoyed um, mentoring kids younger than me. So that's something that I said often, but I definitely like in high school, like I enjoy like learning about all types of subjects. So I like considered a bunch of career options, but it's interesting to me. I think that um, I've like found my way back to what my kid self has said as an artist. Like, yes, graphic designs, like on the commercial side of an artist, but an artist and i've like gone back to that area yeah
0: how did you find out
1: about the judas goat so i heard about it through a uh, word of mouth um the editor sarah lorenzen's one of my friends and then i also had i have quite a few friends in the english department i heard about how they published their work in the judas goat um and thought i would give it a spin yeah
0: what's your favorite thing to do in your free time
1: Um, So in my free time, which I don't have a lot of that at college, (laughs) I love to paint um, is one thing, which I also get into that a little bit in classes, but um, I love painting. And while I'm painting, I love like listening to like TED Talks, to podcasts. You will find me probably always listening to something or another. Um, I love reading. Um, I love going on walks and hanging out and sleeping. <laughs>
0: yeah, sounds like a lot of enjoyable stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: Relaxing because college isn't always that. So, <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I see that. Well, I get that, I mm-hmm. should say.
1: Um, what is your favorite thing to do in Wayne? Um, my two favorite things to do in Wayne is number 1 go with a friend to the coffee shop. The Table is like my favorite coffee shop in Wayne. I'm going to give them a shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just love like sitting in there and having a fun drink. Um And just, like, having conversations with people at the coffee shop. And then I also love going to Thrift Warehouse, the thrift store, and just, like, seeing what I can find. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've heard they have some good stuff. Oh, they do.
0: (laughs) What are some of your favorite books or even a favorite writer?
1: So that is a really hard question. (laughs) Um, I'll, like, list a few. Um, The first one off the bat is what, like, got me into reading and what... um, yeah, what got me interested in reading, which was C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia series, which I have have a special place in my heart. Um, he's just so good at world building, um, character development, just like the ultimate, one of like the best authors. Um, and then he also writes, he wrote those books, which have so much value in them. And then he also has, um, books for adults that like encourage like such a deep level of thinking so that's why i fell in love with his writing um i also i just like love a like really like wide swath of um writers i like um arthur conan doyle who writes um sherlock holmes Mm -hmm. um i love those short stories i love um short stories by james joyce um who's an old writer who writes a lot of very um stories that are deeply emotional and slow. And I also love stories that are sci-fi and super fast paced. (laughs) Um, Like Michael Crichton writes Jurassic Park. He's one of my favorite authors. He also writes um, a ton, but just ones that have these like complex worlds with these like systems. Um, Speculative fiction is really cool. And just there's always some like underlying philosophical um, current going on. I love those types of stories.
0: Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I really love that, too. In the book, you have a short story. Do you have any other interests in other writing?
1: Yeah. So for the Judas Goat, I wrote a short story, but up until this point, I hadn't really written a lot of like short fiction. Um, Throughout my life, like I've always wanted to be a writer and I've always been thinking of ideas. And like um, in fifth grade, I was like on Google Docs, like trying to write a novel concept that I had from a dream. Um, And so like it's always been long, big ideas. And so for the Judas Goat, which is like actually one of my first short stories, because I always like end up, having a short story concept and then making it really long. So this was my first time, like, I feel like actually executing flash fiction. Um, Since then, I've taken um, a fiction workshop class and have been able to understand flash flash fiction a little bit more. But I think still I'm really interested in writing longer works, in writing, um, like, this piece is a little bit more emotional, but also... I'm interested in writing science fiction novels, which is what I was interested in high school. And then also I'm interested in writing um, children's literature too. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, Let's get into your first piece. This is 46 years on the Potomac. For the boy, the little boat shrunk the world small enough to fit in his palm. The course of the bow was malleable, a light twist on the joystick, and the boat would do a 180 faster than the boy could say, seize the day, the name he had given the toy. He thought it was very clever, but could never manage to say it without letting out a snicker. While playing, his torso balanced on the metal railings, his feet dangled on the air, and the position of his head gave him a bird's-eye view of his space. He played at the water's edge for an hour, wondering what it was like to be aboard that ship, the wheel beneath his fingertips instead of a joystick's, and the captain's hat on his head. The boy peered closer and closer at the toy, trying to imagine it was big. That wheel was a mere feet away, it seemed. Then it was inches, and then a moment later, the boy toppled onto the water. Only a second passed before a sturdy pair of hands gripped the boy's struggling ones and pulled him up and over the railing. Soaked, cold, and bewildered, the boy wiped the water from his eyes to see the gracious man who had saved him. The man was old. The age of the boy's grandpa, he thought, with kind eyes encased in lids like wrinkled dates. He stood with a dark wooden cane in one hand. The boy remembered where he was. My boat, he cried, and shot around, frantically climbing over the railing once again. The water was still, masking what could have been a clue. But a second later, he found his boat leaning against some driftwood on the shore. The stern was broken. Not so fast, don't forget, the old man started, presenting the remote... The boy had forgotten he'd lost a ship needs its captain well not a broken ship the boy protested it's not broken just needs a little love the boy the man pointed to the tear of course the shape of it matters somewhat to keep it all level but a little clay and it'll be new practically i guess the boy muttered cursing at his own stupidity as his fingers traced the jagged plastic he discovered the interior was hollow that was disappointing He had imagined the hole to be full of miniature passengers enjoying a cruise. The older man thought he recognized the toy from the discount store's glass window earlier that week, though this model seemed to be sporting some homemade charm. Lego passengers, a messy coat of paint across the hole, and Owen written small at the bottom with permanent marker. Is Owen your name, he asked. Yep. The boy didn't seem to reciprocate the question. Well, Owen, you better get home and clean up. "'You don't want to have your mother catch you "'tracking mud all over your her nice, clean floor, do you?' "'The boy nodded. "'She hates it when I play by the river.' "'The boy combed his hair back with his fingers, leaving it, "'leaving it partially slicked back like a skunk's tail. "'The old man hesitated. "'I'll tell you what, I'm sure Phil down by the docks "'got a towel that you could borrow. "'That guy's always prepared.' "'Owen's fingers stopped fidgeting "'and he looked up at the man. "'Your clothes, mm, not much we can do about that, "'I suppose.' Guess the sun will have to solve that one. Okay. All right, well, let's get heading that way. If you're lucky, a ship like the one you've got there will be unloading. It's that time of the day. He drew a pocket watch from his inner jacket pocket and leaned onto his cane. With a large brass chain and bits of rust clinging to the clasp, the watch was ordinary in all regards to the untrained eye. Yet when the man opened it, the ears locked inside came out pouring from the seams. The small piece of folded cream paper was taped thinly above the clock's face. "'What's that?' Owen asked. "'My pocket watch. I've had it for, oh, about forty years now.' The man leaned on his cane and stepped forward on the path towards the docks. The boy followed. "'No, I mean, what's that?' Owen pointed past the man's arms to touch the paper. Withdrawing his hand, the boy didn't seem to notice the fingerprint-sized smudge he'd left, spoiling the lucidity of the glass. The man did. "'This?' For a moment, the man was hesitant to even tell the boy. This is the photo of my wife. She gave it to me many years ago. His voice trailed off as he unfolded it carefully. It was an old, discolored photograph of the woman he had spent the better part of his life with. She was beautiful in the picture, just as beautiful as she had always been. The man looked at the picture and tried to remember her for how she had looked then, before the harsh years. It was a birthday present from her, two months after we met. We met on a ferry, similar to your toy toy boat, actually, but a whole lot larger. It was my ferry. You have a ferry? I had a ferry. There was an incident. It'd be 10 years back now. Neptune ferry, we called it. And it traveled up and down the Potomac every weekday for 46 years. On the side of the pocket watch was a symbol. He showed it to Owen. This was the ship's crest. Didn't have one till Eleonora. The boy untucked the ship from his armpit and began to hug it. I loved that ferry. As the years went past, it stopped being a thing and started becoming a place. Then later, it became a home do you have something you love, Owen? Owen paused in both his steps and his mind. I don't know. I got an iPod for Christmas. It costs a lot. The man grinned, but not widely enough for the boy to see. The two reached the harbor where the motorboats and sailboats were lined in endless rows. Bill was nowhere to be seen, but the table of his tools and towels was right up front at the waterfront. Prepared as always, thought the man. The man placed a towel over Owen's shoulders, and he stopped shivering. At this time of day, the sun had been the sun had set the river ablaze in a thousand fil- familiar shades of red, and the horizon was not a hazy line, but a stark collision of sky and water. An old friend. The old man let the weight off his cane and onto a park bench overlooking the largest dock in the harbor. The man spotted the faint silhouette of a ship on the horizon, likely the last of the day. Owen asked, Did you always have the same passengers on your ferry? No, but there were regulars, of course. Harold always came for Thursday trips to Alexandria, where he would visit his mother. Since we shared lunch hour, we would eat together, and sometimes if we got back, sometimes if we got to Alexandria by lunchtime, we would grab coffee and split a bagel with cream cheese. Conversations never seemed to end with him. The man paused and then continued on. Oh, and there was Esther. She was a retired seamstress, but was always knitting on the balcony just outside the bridge. She had dementia and would come in every 30 minutes to make sure I was heading south. The man laughed, but Nora, she caught my eye from the first moment I saw her. She was dancing on the deck with the band we had on weekends. In the moment, I thought I was being brave to talk to her that night, but really I would have been a fool not to. We spent a lot of years on the water together, not enough. She was one of the greatest blessings God will ever give me. The man bowed his head. That is until the day that Nora and I can delight in him forever. The man stood up and turned the cane over in his hand, remembering what it felt like to not need it. I hope you have something like that someday. Hold on to it as long as you can. The old man left Owen there and watched him run home. And then he turned his eyes again to the shining waters of the river, as the blur he had noticed before came more and more visible. He noticed the the ship was not only a ferry, but it was the Neptune. In its grandeur, the ship was teeming with passengers, singing and laughing in cacophonous harmony the man began to run, letting go of his cane. As he stepped on, the world expanded to a vastness large enough to fit every bit of his memory, certain and not. It had been too long.
0: Where did this piece stem from?
1: Yeah. Um. So I took a trip over the summer to Washington, D.C. Um, and throughout Washington, D.C., there's a river called the Potomac. And so that's where the inspiration um, for the river came from. I think it's interesting because Washington, D.C. is a really like, busy, um, cold, like industrial place. And yet in the heart of it, there's like this um, still calm river going through it, which I think is a really interesting aspect. So that's kind of where it stemmed from. Um, And then from there, I I wanted to write a piece that was meaningful. And I also wanted to write a piece that kind of explains like, why do locations, like why are locations meaningful to us? Um, Like what about them makes it meaningful? And Part of that is the memories um, that we associate. I'm a very sentimental person, (laughs) so I think that really shows in my piece. I definitely
0: agree (laughs) with the memories part of that, though. Mm -hmm. And I love Washington, D.C. and all the stuff that goes (laughs) with it. Yeah. What do you want others to feel when they read this?
1: I want people um, to think about um, what what this piece means in their own lives and maybe, like, remind them of a similar similar memory or a similar place that means a lot to them and think about why it matters to them and what memories they have associated with it. I think this piece, like, I wrote it a year ago and I feel like I've grown a lot as a writer, so I feel like it is a little bit straightforward in a way, which I wish it wasn't, but I still think that, I think that the fact that it's pretty straightforward, I think, makes it resonate too, so...
0: I really like the concept behind that. And I think a lot of people would relate to that. Yeah. Like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, why did you write it like this compared to like poetry or any other writing style?
1: Um, I definitely like sentence structure. <laughs> I wish I was better at poetry. <laughs> um, but I also do have like a certain flow when I feel like I'm trying to execute a meaningful story. Um, Something I tried to do throughout the story is there's kind of a perspective shift. And so you're going from like the boy being kind of the main character to the man at the end. And so something I was trying to do um, at the beginning of the story was a lot of the language is like in simpler terms, kind of the way that a child would describe it. And then towards the end, I'm trying to explain things in more um, metaphor and more emotion from the man's point of view. Yeah, so, like, um, at the beginning, it says, like, the little boat shrunk the world small enough to fit in his palm. And then at the end, um, as he stepped on, the world expanded to a vastness large enough to fit every bit of his memory. And so, yeah, at the beginning, it was trying to um, write how a kid would write. And at the end, trying to write how an old man would write, I guess, (laughs) is kind of what I was going for.
0: Yeah that's really cool I don't
1: know if that came out but
0: (laughs) yeah no I really like that and I really like that concept just to repeat myself from earlier but (laughs) that's really cool um do you find yourself writing short stories anymore I know you changed your major but
1: Mm -hmm. um yeah I still really like I love writing um and so I took fiction workshop for like a gen ed. It was like my last gen ed. Mm-hmm. And I told everyone it was my cheat uh, treat gen ed because <laughs> I had so much fun in it um, writing short stories and like learning how to write a short story, I feel like. Um, and I still, yeah, write little bits. I've been trying to get more into like, um, I have like a little journal with me that I like put little, jot little thoughts into Um, for short stories, and hopefully I'll get to piece them together. But yeah, I also um, am working towards um, writing a children's book or a illustrated chapter book pretty soon with my honors project. So yeah, that'll definitely be some significant writing in my life. So that sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And that taking that as a gen ed, just being able to enjoy yourself during it. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it would be
1: a lot of, um, I wish I could just take that enjoy. class forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, love reading short stories, writing short stories, talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> All my friends know that I do that, but, yeah. yeah.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about your artwork in the book?
1: Maybe explain it to the listeners? Yeah. Um, so, my artwork's titled Blue Sea Thinking, which, um, is a play on blue sky thinking which is um, like a idiom to mean optimism mm-hmm. um, so I was just this was my first um, digital art piece once I got my iPad and so um, I've always been drawn to jellyfish and um, kind of the fantasy they create and so I just basically wanted to create um, a fantasy piece um, that had like a world aspect to it. So mm-hmm. I feel like this piece could be a part of a larger story. I feel like too. I also yeah. feel like it it reminds me of like, oh, I'm that girl at the end of the spiral staircase, uh-huh. and that's like me when I'm reading. I know that's like really cliche. and yeah, <laughs> um, but I feel like it it's nostalgic for me to look at. Yeah. I thought it was re- really cool. Thank could you. you describe it for them? Yeah. so um I drew a bunch of jellyfish. Um, in the piece, um, they're in a really like large scale. Um, they're in the jellyfish are like an orange and tan colors, and then the background's like a deep blue, um, like the sea, and it gets darker as you go down. And then at the top right of the piece, there's a spiral staircase. I've always like loved spiral staircases. <laughs> I just think that they're the coolest. Um, and so there's a little spiral staircase. Um, it takes about Uh, like a third of the page and so the jellyfish are gigantic compared to this girl who's sitting at the end of a spiral staircase and staring at into the sea i also think it's interesting i also wanted to convey um a sense of like wonder because we know less about like the sea than we know about space or so i've heard um so like that sense of like continual discovery and i think that's kind of what's communicated by the spiral staircase Mm
0: mm-hmm Something about sitting on a spiral staircase reading just by nature just sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah.
1: If only we could be there. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, if only. It's a really beautiful piece.
1: Thank you. Of course.
0: Um, I did want to ask, do you find yourself writing about a certain part of your life most often? I know, well, from what you said, some of it's fiction, but I know some mm-hmm. people draw from parts of their life
1: hmm Yeah, I would say I like writing, like, s- two things. I like writing really, like, slow, emotional pieces um, that talk about relationships. And I like writing, also, on the other side, either that or writing, like, really fast-paced um, sci-fi or speculative fiction novels. But I think in both of those cases, I think I like to... Um, include themes about my faith um, in God. So do you write mostly fiction or nonfiction when you write your stories? I write pretty much solely fiction, although I feel like I would like to try nonfiction. And I also think that there's a lot of like pieces of my life that are translated into my fiction and real emotions and like real relationships that are translated into my fiction. But I do, I love like the world building, the character development side of fiction, which I know you do in nonfiction <laughs> too, but yeah, it's a really cool aspect.
0: Can you tell us about your artistic process?
1: Sure. Um, I would say my artistic process is pretty slow. I think that my like major, my first like step in my process is brainstorming. And I feel like ideas come really like slow to me. So I always come up with like an initial tiny little bit of an idea and then decide how I'm going to play that out. So usually it starts like, like for the story that I read, for example, it started like, how can I communicate why locations are meaningful to us? And so I always start from usually a place of there or a tiny piece of inspiration. And then I let it stew for like a couple like days or even a couple of weeks sometimes and like see what my mind naturally comes up with. It could be a natural representation of that concept then I typically write it out pretty fast. Um and then I love to send it to my brother sometimes and he helps me um edit occasionally, but like we send each other writing and bounce ideas off of each other and so he's my writing buddy.
0: <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. It's nice to have those writing buddies and have
1: people to bounce them off of. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Such a good bonding too.
0: Yeah, I bet. Is there a difficult part of your artistic process?
1: I feel like... I don't always feel like a perfectionist, but I feel like occasionally I get stumped. Because I, like, really value, um... Like, prose that sounds, like, lyrical, I can get kind of caught up in that, and I can end up, like, writing really slow or, like, backtracking. I feel like I often backtrack, which is, um... really bad habit of a writer is to like continue to go back to what you were writing and edit it so yeah that's definitely um something I need to work on um yeah is like being able to just like have it all come and then edit it afterwards so get it all out there first yeah get the whole concept and then it'll be more cohesive as well Mm -hmm. but I don't like doing that I like (laughs) refining yeah that's my favorite part of the artistic process and so that's the part that i just want to do the whole time <laughs> yeah i get where you're coming from with that what would you recommend to others
0: looking to participate in the Judas Goat?
1: i would recommend that they definitely submit something um because it's such a cool um step in like affirmation to be able to be published um definitely like to read um this book and then there's so many awesome like publications also online that you can look at like what does it look like to get flash fiction submitted there's like tons of like online um like publications that you can submit to especially for students and like it's on the same platform that judascope goes through so submittable so if like you want to know hey what could i submit to the JavaScript, those are some like resources and there's the new yorker fiction podcast which um i recommend to everyone who wants to get into writing short stories yeah. Because then you get to like understand how do you like develop a literary theme or like an idea, I feel like.
0: That sounds like a really good resource. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast and sharing everything with us. Yeah, I loved being on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Bye. I am here with Sharon Carr today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Uh, before we get into everything Judas, go. how would you describe where you're at in life right now?
2: Oh wow, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I'm feeling pretty good. I have a couple jobs here in town. I'm a teacher of editing and publishing. Um, and I also work at the Wayne Public Library, so that's wow. pretty good. I have a young daughter. She's four years old and a <laughs> lot of fun. Um, so yeah, like that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs>
0: nice. Um, How did you get to Wayne?
2: Ooh, another good question. (laughs) Well, I actually grew up not too far from Wayne um, in Allen, Nebraska, so it's about 30 minutes out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started here just because it was pretty much the closest college to me, right? And I knew some friends going up here. Um, So I went here for a couple years, wasn't sure about my direction, went to the University of Kearney for a couple years, that wasn't really my direction, <laughs> so I came back to Wayne. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of when I ran into editing and publishing and kind of got into what I do now. So,
0: Sounds like you've kept pretty busy. Everybody needs some free time. What do you do in your free time? Yeah,
2: um, lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm an artist. I actually I started out with a degree in studio art, so oh. I like to do art in my <laughs> spare time. Um, I sell that on the site. I do commissions for people. Um, but I also like to do make zines. Do you oh. know what zines are at all? I'm not sure. Um, they're like self-published little mini magazines. Um, oh. There's kind of a big culture around it. Um, there's things called zine fests that people mm. go to and sell their work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I bring that into class a little bit, but I like to do that on my own as well with my own stuff. So
0: That sounds really interesting. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. fun. Uh, what's your favorite thing to do in Wayne?
2: Ooh, (laughs) um, gosh, that's a good question too. Um, man, I really like my jobs. (laughs) That's where I spend the most time.
0: Keeps you busy. Yeah. I
2: like teaching. I love, of course, with the pandemic, we haven't been able to do much, but I love (laughs) doing our events, our reading events and things like that. Um, I think just for fun, um, I'm big into biking, yeah. Like just casually biking. So I like to bike the trail
0: around town. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of it. I've heard Wayne has a lot of good trails. Yeah. Or a good trail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite books or even a favorite writer?
2: Ooh. Um, ooh. I think my favorite writer is, for like novel type stuff, is Gustin Burroughs. So he did Running with Scissors and Dry. They're kind of weird biography type novels. Mm-hmm um poetry wise um i like about anything i like the beat poets a lot um i like shorter work um it's fun to see student work yeah and see how they grow throughout their time here at wayne state Mm -hmm. so
0: yeah yeah what do you think makes a good story
2: hmm what makes a good story um personally Again, I kind of like things that are personal and kind of like biographies. So I like when I can get into somebody else's headspace and their experience. Mm-hmm. So I really like creative nonfiction type of work where mm-hmm. they they um explain like an event they went through or something really emotional like that. I like really emotional work.
0: Yeah, so. I read a lot of that when I was younger and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. What are some qualities of good writers in your opinion?
2: um I think it goes hand in hand with art and writing but it's uh you do it as much as possible <laughs> mm-hmm. you write every day if you can every week if you can um and you allow yourself to not be perfect yeah I think that's a big part of it people get especially writers get into their heads where I have to write this perfect thing all at once where you really don't <laughs> you need to let yourself kind of just let things out on the paper not give as much thought to like how it's structured or if it's making a lot of sense yet. So I think for writers to not strive for perfection right away, to really just let themselves go and let all that out on the page.
0: I think that's some really good advice. I like it. A lot of people that I know have like specific writing environments or work environments. Do you have like a specific environment that you like to work in or write in?
2: Um Yeah, Um, I'm definitely a night owl. I like to stay up really late. Yeah. <laughs> And that's kind of where my best idea, I feel like in specific with writing, especially, that's where my best ideas come from is when you're kind of in your own comfortable space at home, kind of winding down. It's like those ideas start to run in your head a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. Nighttime at home. Yeah.
0: That's what you thrive best in. Yep. What is your official job title at Wayne State College?
2: Yes. Um, I am an adjunct professor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have my MSc in English education. Um, specifically geared towards editing and publishing. So that's that's kind of my main job is the editing and publishing minor. Um, but yeah, I've also taught some comp before too and enjoyed that as well.
0: Nice. So, yeah. What are some of your daily responsibilities that go into this job?
2: Yeah, um, specifically just um, everything to do with the editing and publishing class. So mm-hmm. it's a little different in that there's three different sections in there along with interns at times. So sometimes we have really, really big classes that are, I guess, not really, really big, but big to <laughs> me, be like 17 to 20 people. Um, but other semesters we have, like this semester, we only have five or six. So it's kind of interesting. I always kind of have to structure my work around how many people we actually have in class um, and what we're able to do. Again, right now with the pan- pandemic, we aren't able to do events like we usually do. Because usually our class actually runs like the Poetry and Fiction Slam on campus, as well as Judas Goat promotions and open mics, um, as well as a class scene. So all that's kind of been scaled back for a little bit. Um, But yeah, just making sure that kind of stuff is running smoothly and that students are actually getting in there and doing that work themselves too. Mm -hmm. So,
0: Yeah, I know you guys have been doing some different Zoom events. Have that been going well?
2: Yeah, we've been doing our Plains Writer Series as Zoom series and yeah that's um we're pleasantly surprised by the turnout on there um we're actually thinking about once the pandemic starts to wind down a little bit we'll go back to some more in-person events but we might actually keep some zoom events along Mm -hmm. with it because it's been nice to be able to offer that program to people that might not be able to get to wayne to actually see it so
0: that's really nice yeah um how did you start working with the Judascope? (laughs)
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, I actually started as a student of editing oh. and publishing. Um, back in 2013, I took the class just I had been taking a poetry class here and one of the professors had talked up editing and publishing. Um, I ended up taking it and really loving book editing and mm-hmm. book editing specifically in InDesign. Um, so, yeah, throughout my time as an undergrad at Wayne State, I was always an editing and publishing minor um and i always worked on the judas goat that was always the project i picked over like the slams and stuff mm-hmm. so i've been in close contact with the goat for a while
0: nice what are some of your roles when it comes to that when it comes to the judas The Judas
2: goat, yep um quite a bit so students normally again with the pandemic it's been kind of weird but mm-hmm. normally they have a lot of control over judas goat um they advertise it via social media Um, They have to put out calls for submissions and run our site on submittable.com, which is like a place where you can make a little group for whatever publication you have for submissions to go into. Mm -hmm. So they learn how to run that. Um, And then they learn how they do a little bit of everything. They do um, open mics to kind of promote the Judas Goat. But they also, once we get submissions in, they sort those submissions, they vote on the submissions, um, and then they lay it out in the actual physical book. So, um, yeah, they have a lot of creative freedom there. They can do whatever they want with formatting or cover art or any of that, so.
0: I always thought, like, how the college allowed so much freedom to the kids and this is really cool. So I think that's really cool that you guys allowed, like, students to do that.
2: It's a lot of fun. You definitely see people's different strengths, and they usually go into those little kind of do whatever is, like, the best for them. So you see Mm -hmm. those people that go more towards the slams or go more towards editing the goat, so. Just need yeah. to see people's personalities come out in it. Yeah.
0: What is the process like publishing a Judascope book with the Wayne State College Press?
2: Yeah. Um <clears throat> so it's a semester long, it's definitely a semester long project. Sometimes it goes into two semesters. Well, I guess actually, you know what, it is a full semester, two semester project. Because usually in the fall is when we're calling for submissions. Mm-hmm. So that's when the students in the fall will work on like setting up those open mics and just putting the call out for submissions. We usually have a due date for those at the end of the semester, like in December. Um, And then when they come back for the spring, you're usually like a 321 or a 421 by then. That's when they do like a final call for submissions, an additional open mic night. And then everything, we gather everything we get. And that's when they start to vote. As a class, we all vote on submissions on what gets into the GOAT. We read through everything. Um, And that's where they do all of the layout and that kind of stuff is in the spring. So kind of a two-part deal.
0: Nice. Uh, does the press publish other books other than the Judascope?
2: Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I should talk about that a little bit. <laughs> Besides just being a teacher, I do work for the WSC Press as an editor as well. Um, so we usually do two to three books a year, I would say. Um, and it's usually Nebraska Poets. Um, so actually we don't normally put out a call for those submissions for poetry books we usually just get a lot of poets coming to us and asking if we'll do a book mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's kind of the basis of what we do is a lot of nebraska authors and poets um, and just recently our grad assistant elijah actually did a fiction book from um, dave minnelli so that's kind of a big one for me cause, or for us in general is. Uh, the fiction book because we don't really have that in our collection. Awesome. So that's been a cool project, yeah.
0: Yeah, that sounds really cool. <clears throat> content wise, what's allowed and what isn't?
2: Yeah, another good question. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, Judas Goat is kind of a wild beast in that um, most of the freedom about what kind of content you want in there is given to the current Judas Goat editors, right? So um, it can vary quite a bit. Sometimes there's some kind of, I don't know if you'd consider it risque mm-hmm. or out there stuff in there, and sometimes, and there's always some pretty regular stuff as well. So, content varies all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like it really reflects the wide array of students we have on campus because we don't really stop anything from coming in content-wise, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, when reading through the book, there was yeah. a very wide <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Range. I, it was really good stuff. I really liked it. Where do you think that publications like this will be in 10 years?
2: Mm, these are great questions. Um. Yeah, no, we talk about that a lot in editing class um, where things are kind of starting to move towards, you know, digital formats quite heavily. Um. I think since the Judas Goat has such a deep tradition in being a physical publication, I see it always being that, because, and again, the college will always fund that. They'll always want mm-hmm. that physical publication there. Um, but I could definitely see in the future the Judascope maybe branching out to being online, too. And mm-hmm. in general, publishing, I feel like, has moved a lot more towards online-based content. Yeah. Um, specifically, we talk in class about um, Instagram poets and how there's kind of this fight between the old school like regular publications and Instagram poets getting all this fame and kind of where people are at in that. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting to ask people and see like, do you prefer a physical copy? Do you like the online? And people are kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. right now. so.
0: Do you think if you make an online copy that you'll just like do that copy forward or that you will publish the past copies to online?
2: Mm, I think if we moved online, it would be wonderful to do as many past copies as we could online, too. I think it's time to archive those things, because they do yeah. get lost eventually, too.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, nice. I think that's cool. Yeah. What do you think the strongest benefit of press is on campus?
2: Of Yeah, of having a press on campus. Um, just giving students a little bit of a real-world education on what it would be like to actually work for a press mm-hmm. or work for a publisher. Um, And just to explore, there's just, it's hard to even get it all in in a class throughout three different semesters, right? There's just so many different things you can do in publishing. So at least in our class, you get to get a little bit of an experience of all those things. And then eventually, if you go forward with doing something in publishing, you have an idea of what is your, your strength or what is your favorite thing to work on. Maybe you're more of a copy editor Maybe you like to lay out and design things more. Um, maybe you're more of an event person. You like to plan things like that. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I think we just give a wide range of different things to try out and mm-hmm. see what you're strong in.
0: Yeah. Couldn't imagine how much yeah. hurt <laughs> with...
2: Well there's so many different things you can do. <laughs> yeah,
0: I believe that.
2: And again, with that on the added online aspect of things, it just pulls it out even more. There's even more mm-hmm. you can do. So
0: yeah, yeah everything moving yep. online <laughs> yep makes it all so much more complicated yeah yeah well thank you for coming in and letting yeah. me interview you and coming on the podcast yes thank you so much i've really enjoyed your series so. yeah i appreciate it yep. <laughs> i hope everyone learned as much as i did from rose and sharon i love hearing people's inspiration behind their pieces Also, there is so much behind the production of a book, and I think that's really interesting to learn from Sharon. I hope everyone has a great night. This episode was produced by Callie Hurley at Wayne State College. Music can be found on APM named Wallflower by Inside Tracks. Have a great night.